Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. There we go. We got sound, folks. How's everybody doing tonight? Hopefully doing well. We're in the experimental stage of this still. I think the uh, streams went well earlier this week. I was not able to be uh, able to be on them as I was out of town. But, um, yeah, I, I think I think they went well. I hope these are going well for everybody. This is going to be a little bit of what we do on Thursdays. We are going to... Um, try our best here to uh, put up some chalk talk it'll be me and john i'm trying to get a code for something real quick before we get going john uh five eight three five one three three there we go okay perfect so john how are you man what's going on i'm good jake how about yourself i'm good i'm good this will be our thursday setup for all of you joining us it'll be a little chalk talk session. It will be myself. It'll be John Stephenson. John, tell everybody real quick, if you can, man, like a little bit of your football background and why, um, you know, what, what, what makes you good at what you do, why you know the game so well, where you currently are, all that stuff. Yeah. So I'm, um, let's see, this is my fifth year. This is going into my sixth year coach in high school football. Um, I am a defensive backs and uh, defensive coordinator at uh, Northland High School in Columbus, Ohio. So this is um, this will be my second year as a as a coordinator. I uh, I did it on my own back in uh, 2018. Had to take a year off to uh, to knock out some school stuff for my master's degree and just coaching and extra school wasn't working. So um, took that off and then I'm back this year as uh, co DC with our head coach Ryan Sayers. Very nice, man. So John is is one of the people that I go to for any kind of understanding about scheme stuff that I may not know. He's a defensive guru, obviously comes over, crosses over into the um, offensive realm as well. He's not just limited to one side of the football. I think he does a great job. This, if you have not been paying attention to our YouTube, is uh, I would say our eighth session now. John, we've done a ton of these things. We have done uh, defensive secondary stuff. We've done cover even coverages, cover two, four, six. We've done odd coverages, one and three man free uh some of those concepts we have done basics of defensive line principles techniques gaps uh i think we did basic uh a four three three four looks under front stuff yep, i think under, very, uh, fit yep. in the run yeah run fits we dabbled in run fits a little bit and then offensively when john was on vacation i did one on offense that was about huddle basic football huddle stuff like how play gets called in the huddle um you know how how everything works structurally in a huddle, how it all sets up, what a play call looks like, what the first part of a play call is, formation, shift, motion, the run number or pass protection number, then the design of the play, and then when to covering how things work on the, on the front of, of the uh, – at the line of scrimmage. D- dummy calls, turbo calls, audibles, all of that stuff was covered in that one. That's a good one to go back and listen to. And then – uh, I think we did last week's zone principles in the run game. I'm sorry, we did pass game the week before, popular routes, popular 
uh, concepts that tie into routes. And then we also did, uh, da, 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 what else do we do? Uh, I think that's kind of it. We did the routes and route route basics of combos and what those it's designs look like. Yeah, route tree stuff. Yes, all of it we covered there. Then we went into run game, which we break into two run game things. We did zone schemes, outside zone, inside zone, tight zone with a little pin pull stuff built in there last week. And today we switch to gap schemes. Now, the good part about this is we can be as interactive as you guys want to be. I mean, I think YouTube, we got some interactivity, but on this stuff, we're going to try to be, I think Twitch is, lends itself to a little bit better interactivity, in my opinion. So I, I hope you guys are still able to hear me out there. I'm not sure if I had a, a couple comments that I'm a little confused by, but uh, I think I think everybody can hear us. At least I hope this far into it, everybody can hear us and, and we can uh, delve into uh, specific gaps because... There's some misconceptions about the Browns offense, which I'm going to write about, which is they actually ran in, in, in this Kubiak-Shanahan scheme, people think they run zone so frequently. Well, that's not necessarily true. They actually ran more gap schemes, had more gap scheme running success than they did than they did zone running success. They actually ran for more yards, and based on the end of the season, they had an uptick in production in total yards by the end of it. So... The thing that is interesting to me is I think they realized, hey, we have this Wyatt Teller guy. We have this Joel Batonio guy. These guys are really good pullers. We need to be using them. We need to be getting them in space, especially Wyatt Teller, who is just an absolute freak of nature in space. And by the end of the year, they started to do more shotgun running, and it was really effective. And we have some clips of that shotgun running. We have some other teams sprinkled in, but we're going to go over the basics of trap. Uh, we're going to go uh, counter, power, duo, and ISO, I think, is, are all the concepts that we are going to talk about today, which are very popular. And they're going to keep being popular because even the guys like McVeigh, Shanahan, the guys who are really running this stuff with the most notoriety in the NFL right now have a really good mixture of uh, diversification in their run game stuff. They're not just zone teams. They have built ways to counteract things that teams are predicting them to do in zone and put in really good gap schemes. And that is a really nice part of what we saw from a growth perspective with Kevin Stefanski. So let's go through this. We're going to talk about really the basics of um, the uh, gap principles. So, and I know, John, you want to add a little bit to this first slide as we get into this, but why the gap scheme stuff? Like from a basic standpoint, gap scheme is great for all types of lineman variations, big, slow, fast, whatever. Gap scheme is great for them. The gap schemes rely solely on gap blocks or down blocks. So you got to think we're running one direction. Four-fifths of your offensive linemen, typically, except for duo, are going to be going the opposite direction down blocking. It creates fantastic angles. That's the biggest thing you love is that it, it helps create angles for your linemen. Instead of having to beat a man to a position, you can create an angle blocking back on guys who aren't necessarily expecting you to block them and thus creating advantages at the point of attack. Because what I've always believed is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, John, Linebackers make tackles. That's great. What defensive linemen do is they create chaos. They create tackles for loss. They create penetration fumbles. They put your team behind schedule. If your linebackers are making tackles, for the most part, they're not going to be plays past the line of scrimmage. Now, if they're sent to blitz or they're great run-read defenders, they'll occasionally get there. But for the most part, what I love about gap concepts is it secures the first level. Now, you don't always get to the linebackers. It's not always perfect but I like that it gives you the best advantage to secure the first level because that's the most important level to spring running game. So uh, what it does in the last sentence there is it causes a defender to fighting over a down block requires practice timing and quick reaction skills, right? 
it's a skill that is pro- that uh, I can't really say. It's, even professional players have a tough time uh, living up to. So, John, anything to add to sort of why the gap scheme, in your opinion, especially from a defensive perspective? Talk to me about why you think teams run it and how you think why you think it's so hard for your guys to defend. Yeah. So, building on what you uh, what you've already talked about, um, first I want to go back to the angles very quickly. So. Um, Gap scheme can create um, very positive blocking angles for your linemen. So a uh, simple example, think about, let's say we want to run the ball to the right side. So we've got a backside linebacker starting on our left side. We're running to the right. So if we're going to run some type of zone scheme, we're probably asking our backside tackle or our, back, our backside guard, pardon me, to um, to get up to beat him to a spot, as you said, to get to an area. Well, certain guys can't do that. And if the linebacker can go, it's just not a block they're going to make. Um, so instead of running zone, if we run gap scheme to that side, now rather than asking that backside, let's say the guard, to get up there, beat a very fast NFL you know, linebacker to a spot, um, we can use our, let's say, our, our right tackle and our right guard, our front side players, to double team that five technique or that three technique. And then one of them come off the double team you know, towards that backside linebacker who's going to be screaming across right at them as he sees the pull. Um, that's a simple example right there. If you're, let's say your, your left guard just can't move. He can't get to that block right there. So, okay, throughout the zone, let's run some gap and let's bring that, let's bring that blocker coming from the front side where he's already going. Um, another piece as far as the why here, um, most NFL defenses are single high and that they want to play gapped out. So we talked about this when we went through uh, basics of run fits, I don't know, maybe a month ago, six weeks ago, but the idea behind this is, um, the defense wants to play with one defender for each gap. So in our most basic shotgun formation, uh, two receivers to each side, you know, two guys in the slot. we got five blockers, so we have six gaps to cover. A gap on each side of the center, B gaps on each side of the guard, C gap um, outside the tackles on each side. So in order to be able to play gapped out, you need to have six guys in the block there. So, again, this is uh, this is what you see behind single high coverage. Um cover one and, and cover three, which the Browns tend to play on these on these early down or, you know, these downs that skew more towards run. So um, if you're going to play gapped out, um, you, you have to match moving gaps. So, you know, we're going to start with a gap on three gaps on each side in that example, um, you know, any run play, but gaps can move post snap. So when you get this puller going, for example, moving from one side to the other, or when you see split zone with a little arc block going across the formation, that sort of thing. If the defense wants to remain gapped out and keep their numbers advantage, they have to adjust that moving gap. And it's on the fly. It's after the snap. Um, so, so it happens very, very fast. And that, that's where um, you know, on defense we talk about reading, um, you know, run pass and directional keys. So we've got a place our eyes are supposed to be at the snap, and that's going to cue us to – you know, to, to the type of play that's run or pass. And then if it's a run, for example, then what kind of block we're seeing and then where I need to go to adjust or to move with that moving gap. So when you start using fullbacks in the backfield, um, when you start pulling guards and tackles and tight ends and so on, um, that that's a gap that the, the defense has to adjust to stay single or to stay gapped out. And if they don't do it quickly, then – you know, the offense is going to have that numbers advantage at the point of attack or where the play is actually hidden there. So it's just it's another piece to, you know, sort of to, to add to the defender's conflict and to their eyes. And you're forcing them to see things very quickly and then, you know, read it correctly and then adjust to it very quickly as well. Um, you know, to me, that's, yeah, that's one of the biggest pieces. 
for sure. Let's answer this question too, John, while we're going on this tangent a little bit here. Do defensive yeah, linemen cool. pre more predetermine what they want to do when the ball snapped, or do they mostly react to the offense? Seems like guys often already seem to have a plan. Yes. Just kind of curious. That's a good question. Yeah, that is a great question. So um, first, yeah, they're, they're at least if they're good, they're going to have them plan in terms of what I'm going to do versus the pass. Like we're not just going to decide our pass rush move, you know, after the ball's been snapped. Like we have a plan going in, you know, based on film work, based on, you know, our best move or the, you know, the moves that we're good at based on what we've shown earlier in the game. Maybe we're setting something up long term like Miles does. So, uh, yeah, as far as versus the run, um, you know, it depends on the defense. So um, certain kind of defenses, like let's say um, the Philadelphia Eagles and, uh, you know, the Jim Schwartz stuff, their defensive line, they're a very, they're a penetrate defense. Like they want their their defensive linemen um, in the backfield um, as, as quickly as possible. They're trying, they're splitting double teams, for example. Um, other teams, they're going to read. It's more, they're going to read the block type. You know, they're going to, like they're looking at the V of the uh, blocker's neck um, and then they're, you know, essentially they're, they're reacting to, to the type of block they see. Um, it's almost like compare like, um, like certain what I called read stunts. So um, something that teams will do is run this thing called a, a Jimmy and a pony stunt um, to sort of adjust sometimes for, for not being, you know, not having a player for each gap, not being able to play gapped out. And what essentially what the rules are is if you, if the lineman steps to you, you're going to cross his face. That goes back to what, you know, you, you mentioned on that Y slide, getting across down blocks. It's called gaining a gap, you know, to try going from the, the direction, the play or where the play is not at to where it's going. And then um, if you see his butt, then you're going to follow it. So it's crosses cross the face. If you see it, and then if you see a, butt, you know, follow it, try and get in the backfield and yeah. disrupt the play. But um, again, it's, you know, it's it, that's the kind of thing that's being drilled um, and, and practiced. Like when when um, the position groups get with their position coach, they're going through their indie and their group time there. Um, yeah, the um, you know they they spend a ton of time working with this sort of like react attack. But again, it's it's it, it's this depends by system. But I think as you know, generally speaking, yes, you could definitely say that they're um they do have a plan and um they they all work um you know, their specific technique versus the specific block type, like what a defenseman line, what a defensive lineman is going to do versus a down block is going to be completely different to what he does versus an outside zone reach block or what he does versus a pull or a base block or, you know, a pass set from the lineman. So, yeah. um, yeah, but, but, and also they're just, they're going to rely on their film study. They're going to rely on their tendencies like formational, and the down in the distance, you know, on a first and 10 against most teams, they're probably thinking, well, they're going to be played as run first. Like the, the position coach is going to beat in their head. You're a run first player on first and second down. You can pin your ears back and you can lean on your pass rush on third down once you've earned it. But until then, we're, you know, you're, we're run first players. For sure. I, I, I think too, there's, there's elements to it. Like at the high school level, it's a little harder to go crazy in teaching these it things because they're not, they're yeah. not as, yeah, they're not as skilled. You don't want them thinking too much. Um, you certainly want those guys playing as fast as they can. As guys get older, they get into college. If they're lucky enough to make it to the NFL, they have seen enough of these schemes over time that they have a general idea that at their first step off the ball is reactionary, what, what guys are trying to do to them. Now, that doesn't always mean they can defeat it, but they at least have a general idea, and that's important uh, to, to consider too. Like Every level is the next level up. You get to college, you get like your bachelor's in football, you get better at it. Then you're getting your doctorate in football by the time you're in the NFL. You've seen so much of it. 
uh, and and you just have a feel for things. And it's just that's why the game's faster. Everybody's reactions are quicker, and that's and what also, makes it so. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, to interrupt you there. Yeah, I was just going to say that also the um, sort of the the progression and the level of detail that goes in the technique. You know, it just it's like an exponent or exponent part of me going from high school to college and then college to throw our pros part of me. It's it's incredible how um how detailed these um and sort of the, the progressions of the, that the eyes and the body go through in the NFL. It's just it, it's nuts. It really is. It really is nuts. And 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 kind of all piggybacks into sort of where we're talking about at the offensive side how how good these guys get repping this stuff over and over again and why it becomes so much harder for a guy who was really good in college to handle this stuff why it becomes that much harder because you have guys like Wyatt Teller and Joel Batonio and they can they can cover more ground than you ever ex- expected a college guy to cover right which is crazy because the you know these guys in college are really good but they're only one skill guy so you get to the NFL you got these guys who can do both I'm going to try to put this up without that task bar uh, we're trying to we're trying to figure things out as we go here. I'm going to try to share the screen on the right for you uh, to get this a little cleaner, hopefully, uh, and and not so not so buggy, and we can we can have a little bit better uh, look for this stuff. Uh, let's see if we can find it. There it is. So let's talk technique play side. Uh, th- this we'll go quick with this because we want to get to the concepts here. So play side of zone, or sorry, gap schemes, it's going to be a tackle guard and center blocking away from where the ball is being run. Depending on the scheme, coaches may have play side guard attack, a play side linebacker, backside linebacker. It depends on the scheme. You're usually taking care of one of the linebackers and the guy who's pulling around, uh, whether it's the guard or whoever, is going to take care of somebody else on the front side, whether that's a play side linebacker or if it's counter, it's a play side DN. That's what we're talking about, gap. There are gap schemes that don't involve any pulling. We're going to talk about duo. We're going to talk about... Um, uh, what, what else am I thinking about? ISO or lead, I think is what the 49ers playbook calls it lead. Those don't involve any pulling. But uh, our good friend here, uh, Browns Mock, asked a question, does gap or zone blocking better accentuate the backside vision and cutback ability of a guy like Nick Chubb? Definitely zone, uh, in my opinion. Gap can give these things when you get over, over aggressive linebackers. And we're going to talk about duo where you're actually reading the Mike linebacker to make him go one direction and come back a different direction. But for the most part, zone usually leads to better uh, a better cutback of ability and vision. Patience is more of a gap scheme. You can either be uh, a really quick guy like Kareem Hunt, or you can be a little bit more patient processing. I think a guy like Kareem Hunt is better at zone stuff because he's he's right downhill right now and he can find a crease. I think that's why he fits it better. Backside coaches have gotten creative in the way they utilize backside linemen along with tagging plays like RPOs and read options, which what is what makes it so difficult, right, John, is you get – I don't even know how much this has trickled into the high school level, but college level, they're running play side – power with a backside tagged RPO where you're reading the linebacker or you're reading an invert defender and you're throwing it. So you can't cheat it too much, right? Keeps the backside of the defense honest. That's what they're trying to do. Yeah, we get at at the high school level, everyone's running RPOs. Everyone, they've been on for several years at this point. Yeah, that's something we spend a lot of time game planning for in season. For sure. For sure. Let's talk technique real quick. Technique of a down block and gap scheme is crucial. As mentioned, we don't want the defender to slip the block toward the play because if they create penetration, defensive linemen cross your face. It's going to create chaos, tackles for loss, fumbles, things you don't want as your guy's getting hit in the backfield. That 45-degree step is is so important. The second step needs to be square, not crossed over. Okay, Fit both hands to the near chest plate and shoulder. Those are very, very simplistic things. I did want to pull up one more thing for you. It was from the Shanahan playbook. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Uh, not huddle cadence, not motion, not personnel groupings. Bear with me, folks. Give me just a second. This is why we're on Twitch now. We can get a little bit more creative uh, with how we present some things. 
uh, hang on, because I, I want you to understand that the level to this stuff gets gets wild, uh, especially at the NFL level. So this is zone blocking or zone some of their run block uh, understanding. Okay, this is sometimes tied into zone, but there's sometimes it's tied into uh, how they make line calls and how they get to second level. Just kind of looking through these things, these are ways that they have. These are what they called run tech combinations. Okay, just kind of. I'm not going to read these. I'm not going to bore you out with these. But these are all of the different calls. You know, double teams to. You know, you could have a double double. You can have a double hand, double slam. These are ways that they teach their guys to climb to different levels. Okay, now most of these are zone schemes, but there are some gap schemes. But this is just from a 49ers playbook that John was lucky enough to come across. Right, these are backside techniques, which is crazy. Right. These are all things that they teach. I'm still scrolling. I'm not even halfway through it. <laughs> Look how crazy some of these are. Big, swoop, middle call. These are all things that have to be learned. I would say, John, you know, your offensive line at the high school level have maybe five or six of these. You want to keep it super simple for them. There's there's core yeah. teaching, and then there's some wrinkles that you can do. But, you know, we're, we're, these are – We're fortunate as well in that we don't – we won't see the variety of fronts they're going to see in the NFL. Like nine out of ten teams run a basic, you know, a 4-2-5 over at this point. Some people – you know, you'll get a couple odd fronts here and there. Like we'll see a 3-3 stack or we'll see a, um, you know, something similar with, um, you know, zeros and two, zero techniques, two techniques, and two stand-up on the end. So, you know, something that, that turns out to be five-man, but – you know, yeah, again, mo most of what we see is just the basic four two five over. And here's here's an example of some gap scheme stuff that we're going to talk about today. They have they have an A call, A Rico, or an A tight. Okay, you can see the backside pull for the play side guard. B, C, D, they make these calls. D Rico, D tight, whatever they want. This is how they secure certain gaps, right? It's amazing how much communication goes on with these guys. A back call, hinge call, right? This backside tackles on a hinge. You'll see this often. Teams almost make it look like a pass set to influence rush upfield. The NFL does this all the time to eliminate backside down the line. They'll have their tackle pass set, uh, which, which you know, if you're a defensive end and you read a quick pass set, you're going to obviously rush upfield. This is just, a, a, a again, a quick glance. Gaucho, jump hook, two-man rule. I could bore you with this forever, but we only have 45 minutes, and I just wanted to give you an idea of how deep this stuff goes at that level, uh, at the NFL level. And the college level gets crazy too, but the NFL is just a whole other animal. So let's talk about power, okay? there's the Again, this is from a 2018 version of the Shanahan playbook. The names are going to change, but the numbers are, are pretty consistent. 16-17 power they call Al Short. Uh, the concept is a play side full – is a – this plays a full flow concept designed to attack the inside to off tackle to the strong side running back. This gives you a playbook example of what everybody's rule is from a skill position. Okay, we're going to look at the draw up here in a second. Uh, principle look at what it is for the offensive line, and the offensive line has their own things. But it gives you quarterback reversing out at six o'clock, over top handoff, keep fake, do not push the running back out of the A gap. You have very precise places to put your feet. Okay, uh, let's get to the draw up here. So, front side, remember, down blocks, whether it's a tight end involved or not, you're getting down blocks, securing the first level, working, as you can see, these dotted lines right here, you're working to the backside linebacker because we're pulling for the play side. So, when you hear power, right, when you hear power called or I write it up or somebody talks about it, it is the general rule is it is the backside guard for the play side inside linebacker. That's the, that's the matchup that you are trying to create. 
Backside guard, play side, inside linebacker, create good angles. If you need to motion in for an overhang, you can motion a guy in for overhang issues. That's a key part. You'll see Jarvis Landry trot his way in, real slow trot that Jarvis Landry does. They'll move him in and have him take care of the overhang sometimes. Okay, I'm not sure what the Browns call it, but it's probably something close to 16, 17 power just like this. Go ahead. I was going to say that, yeah, they're, um, they don't want to block corners. Um, you know, they're, they're, Make them tackle. Uh, yeah. Make them tackle. tackle. Right? tackle. That's, it. That's the big thing in this system, make the corners tackle. So, yeah, any, um, anytime you have some sort of one of the safeties down in that area, um, you're, the corner's going to go straight to him. And they're just going to – pardon me, the receiver's going to go straight to him. They're going to leave the uh, corner to uh, tackle Nick Chubb. That's what they want to do at the NFL level. Make those guys out on the outside tackle. Here's a little draw up. This is a whole bunch of random stuff. Uh, this is actually 2017. Yeah, this is Kevin Hogan, Isaiah Crowell, just an example of power. You do get Joel Petonio here, which is nice, right? You see that double team. Look at the tackle right guard double team. Center's responsible for the shade, creating his angle, just staying in front. They're going to see, you're going to see 72, I believe, here in 70. Work for this backside backer. You get a. This is actually power with a lead tag. I think is this Danny Vital? Vital? I think that's what it was back then, 2017. Who cares? Not that important. He's leading here for this. I believe that's a. That's a. It could be an extra backer or a nickel or or an extra safety on the field, taking care of the inside gap here, and then guard Joel Baton. Feeling pretty dangerous. Looping around for that play side backer. Look at that. Pretty beautiful right there, right? Same time, head on the inside from both of them. Look at the va the void here. What's the old, uh, we got a seal here and a seal here, and boom. Is that is that Vince Lombardi? I don't know. I can't remember. That's what you want to see. Back at the Isaiah Crowell days, which feels like a lifetime ago, John. Oh, well, thank goodness. Now we get to this here. Yeah, Should you go back to get into that first play? Oh, Please of course. Yeah. All right, so I just want to. I hope uh, this is playing okay for everybody. Sometimes these get choppy. I hope it's playing okay. Anyway, go ahead. I've heard anything about it so far. Knock on wood. All right, so um, I just want to point out again um, the illustration of the point that uh, creating positive blocking angles here. So, looking at the left side, um, if we were, let's say we want to run zone right, you know, zone in the same direction. Let's say outside zone, we'd be asking that um, that left tackle or that left guard to get to the linebacker that's sort of in the thirty. Like, just look at number seventy-five, the left guard. Look up, you see the linebacker just shaded over on his outside shoulder there. So now, rather than asking one of them to get up there on a on a full flow play where we've, you know, where that the guards, part of me, the linebacker is going to see um, the the reach block or the wide zone step, and he's just going to tear off. Um, you know, it's mm -hmm. it's tough to get to that spot. Um, the difference between doing that in between picking them off with the right tackle and the uh, right guard off that double team. And you'll see the reason this play does – the reason this play works for the offense is because um, in order to match the moving gap from the left guard there, that backside, he has to get on the – he has to get on the other side of that double team. Like, so our, our right side, his left side. If he doesn't get across it, they haven't adjusted that moving gap. He needs to fit on number 75's inside shoulder. So they, that, that's where, again, you want to play gapped out because he can't get across that double team now. We have no one in that gap right there. So we, we haven't properly, you know, moved with the, with the gap or adjusted to the moving gap there. And it's, it's really tough. It can be really tough for a backside linebacker to get all the way across that frontside double team there. Let's keep going. This is this year playoffs. Okay, this is Wyatt Teller, one of the best in the league at doing this last year. 
This is from the gun. Browns decided, hey, we should probably hand it off every now and again when we put Baker in the gun. That'd be a great idea. Ended up working pretty well toward the end of the year. So, again, like John was talking about, create angles. Got some beautiful angles here for Treader. You need a nice block from your tight end to turn out the edge here. I believe that's Alex Highsmith. You got an easy path for a double team right here. It doesn't get any better to run this concept with this box. Okay. You got easy angles. This should be a nice run. 71 68 responsible. You do get a, a guy from the perimeter crashing in. Donovan Peoples Jones creeping to the left side of the screen here is trying to get inside, but he's never going to make it there. So it's about. How do we get around that? Well, we squeeze it. Look at Kareem. Put the left foot in the ground. You got to squeeze tight. Squeeze tight to your block, which he does here. That creates, look at why Teller does his thing where he takes out two for one and you're off to the next level. It's a thing of beauty, right, John? No, I mean, from an defense. offensive perspective. You, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe. it also helps when the defense is playing essentially a five-man box. Actually, I'd be, I'd be curious to see the, uh, the down and distance and what um, – what exactly the secondary was doing because they're they're two men short here. This is they really, really are. Yeah, I I have to go back and pull up, but right now, right now Game Pass is not allowing us to do that, which is fun. Thank you, Game Pass, for, for mm -hmm. being a thorn in the side of everybody trying to cover the NFL. This is now 2018. This might be a counter look, right? Let me see here. Yeah, yeah, that's that's counter. Yep. So this is counter, which we'll just we'll go past it and come back to it. What mark was that on time, John? Did you see fifty-one? Okay. Yeah, counter because this EMLOS is I believe the Suggs is crashing, so nothing you can do there. Anyway, we'll keep going. Come back to it. Uh, a little power here on the goal line. It's a nice goal line play because you could create some very quick angles, and if your guard pulls tight enough, it can be a nice play to get a quick hitter with an with a with a really decisive crease for your running back watch how tight betonio is to pull here the block hinges on the play hinges on zeitler who's at right guard here number 70 taking care of his man which he stays on his man on his knees it's pretty ridiculous effort here to finish this play from on his knees tonio pulls through to who he needs to get and then it's about nick being able to handle making one man miss or just outpowering somebody which he does he scores so it's a nice nice goal line concept let's talk counter Okay, counter the difference in counter, counter and powers. Instead of pulling for the play side inside backer, we are going to pull and kick the in man on the line of scrimmage with counter. Okay, that in man on the line of scrimmage can move based on alignment, but you're, you're generally going to kick the outside uh, guy. You're going to have your guard pull. You, It's a really fun play to tag with lead to pull somebody up and through a backside tight end, your fullback. Okay, it's a fun concept to use there in, in that regard. Uh, we're going to look at a couple draw ups. Here's a draw up. You can see the guard is going to kick out in man of line of scrimmage. Could be a Sam walked up, right? Could be a true defensive end, the direction you run. It depends on what alignment teams are using, but you're going to kick out the in man of line of scrimmage. Okay? That's the difference. Power, play side inside backer, counter, e, what they call EMLOS, in man on the line of scrimmage. Also, yep, the tailback's going to take a jab step opposite the uh, the play direction. So certain teams that um, key straight to the, the tailback's hips essentially for you know for the play direction key. Um, you can see Nick drop the right foot right here. Yeah, just a little little jab step. You also right. do that to time it up because he uh, you need to get two uh, two pullers to the backfield before you can go. You got to give those those blockers a chance to get where they need to be to set up your blocks as well. Absolutely. 
So, you know, in the gun, you got to be a little quicker if you're in the backfield and it's a, it's a reverse out from your quarterback. Obviously, a big jab step's a little more drastic. Here, this is, uh, again, allows for some nice angles. Down block, pull. The block that's paramount is your right tackle being able to handle this Almost four eye going on right here from Hayward. Can he get there? Can he get across his face? Not the best Cam Hayward game I've ever seen. Your tight end is also going to be the guy who gets down. See, you can see the nice thing. Watch Hooper here, your tight end. Little jab step to slow down. Not much, just that little subtle jab step to slow down the end. No, that's a cool little that's that's a cool little detail right there. So you're yeah. uh, you're at best case scenario, you can get him to um to pass rush. But you're still you're just adding a little extra step here, so he doesn't immediately crash down and and log widens that, it right. Log the first puller, yep. yeah. You're keeping him nice and wide. You're letting everyone get where they need to be. Let the blocks get set up. Um, wanted to add just, to backside, yep. um, backside of power encounter. Um, that last guy is gonna. Um, I think we looked at it actually just a moment ago. Um, he's gonna take mm -hmm. a hinge step or use a hinge technique. So what that means is he's gonna step really hard towards the inside, and if nothing's there, then he's gonna kind of turn back towards the. Um, you know, toward, pardon me, turn back towards the end there. So you'll see he takes a really hard step inside right there. Yeah, because he's got to ensure that you don't get any leakage in the, um, you know, from the back this side. Guy, if he, yeah. If Hayward shoots this gap, this play's dead. If he if yeah, he gets yeah. beat inside, it's dead. So that You're not so worried about this wide tech here, this this wide defensive end, because yeah. he's, he's got a long way to travel. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, but the uh, – or if you, if you didn't have Hayward there, like in that 4-I, but let's say you just had a, a 5 technique. Um, yeah, yep. that, that player's still going to take a really hard step inside before he hinges back because you uh, you can't get that backside penetration. He'll get on the heels of the puller and play over. For sure. Now, we got a ton of great angles here. I think this is Steven mm -hmm. Nelson. DPJ's got a nice angle. Hooper gets the jab. He gets his eyes back inside right now for Robert Spillane, who's number 41. Plus, you have Jed Wills coming off his double team. If 41 were able to go on, if you were sent on a run blitz, you have a guard here. These two are eyes for here. Boom, boom, here. Okay? They're working here. If he's if 41 is downhill right now in this gap, he's going to have his eyes ready to handle him. So it's just a combo block. Okay? In this scenario, they know, actually, they're not even responsible for him because Hooper's going to handle him. So Jed's almost free to attack whatever route he wants to attack. DPJ kind of doesn't get inside enough, but you have Nick Chubb. He, you know, he's able to get through there. Steven Nelson, I think, gets tripped up on his own man. I mean, ideally, what you would like to see, John, is this ball kind of right through here. Yeah, follow the uh, follow the butt of the pool. Right yeah, you got a nice little little window here. As 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 uh, fifty six just absolutely hates to see Wyatt Teller coming at him. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would, I would too. I would, I would hate that too. I mean, Nick is good enough that he has burst to get through there. He makes it happen. Ideal world. I mean, you do have a corner overhang sitting here. It's, it's again, you make the best of the situation. Nick's able to turn it into 15 yards. Yeah. And that, another that, example. Go ahead. Sorry. Say that, that play also um, demonstrates the difficulty of playing, um, not playing gapped out there. So the Steelers were short one player, call them um, seven man spacing. So they um, looks like they had some sort of stunt going on with the interior. So they're trying to what's called cancel gaps or mm -hmm. essentially adjust for for not having um, or not the ability or not being gapped out. For sure. Let's keep uh, let's keep rolling. Another counter example. This is uh, I believe Zeitler is twenty eighteen. 
There's a little better look at your jab step from your running back, from your under center reverse pivot. Baker sticks the football out. You see this often, quarterback footwork. He sticks the football out, right, bends it back, selling everything front side. Look at the, the angles that are created for your guard center tackle. Greg Robinson climbing to the second level. Boom. Look, I mean, you know, you do end up seeing Joel Batonio actually drives his man into Treader, who then loses the shade. But it doesn't matter because the angle's already beyond at that point, right? So Notice you have the, the wall there too, just backside yeah. all four, almost in a line right there, and that's how it, uh, you know, when, when it hit, hits well, that's how it usually looks. You just have a, a straight wall. Yep, and this is the see, not the great job. I think eighty-seven. This is. 87 back then was what's his name? He left. He was he was pretty consistently beat up. What was his name? It's it's evading me at this point. Uh, nonetheless, doesn't really get his head to the right side here, but again, Nick shows up with an he tries to, but Nick shows up with enough burst to still get past. I think that's Josie Jewell. This is again 2018. I think this is Carlos Hyde, Jets game, Tyrod Taylor again a lifetime ago. This is an example that you know, just because the the nearest man with his hand down doesn't mean he's the man line of scrimmage. This outside backer is or, or end or whatever they want to label him in this defense outside backer is is wide, and, and the responsibility of Batonio is to get down the line and kick him out. Still, doesn't matter where he goes. Watch Batonio's course; he's going to make sure he gets to him when he needs to get to him. We get a pull guy, or in, I think it's Orson Charles is your lead. Kick out, and that's a nice hole. All right, let's talk about uh, let's talk about ISO. We have one quick ISO example, real quick, John. If you can explain to folks what ISO is, I got a little gnat flying around in here, man. Anyway, what do you got for ISO? Basic, basic yeah, so play side on the inside backer. So ISO is um, going to be uh, well, obviously it's more gap scheme, but it's a um, it's base blocking base blocking from um, from the line, and then you're going to have someone in the backfield. It can be an I-formation fullback. It can be a sniffer. You know, it depends. Um, and they're, they're generally going to insert through the through a run bubble. So you have, um, in a basic overfront, for example, you have two run bubbles or two gaps in which you don't have a down line in them. So you're a down lineman in them. So at the strong side A gap, that's the Mike's gap. No down lineman there. Weak side B gap. Um, that's the wheels gap, no down line in there. So what you do is you run ISO strong or ISO weak at those uh, at those bubbles. ISO weak's a really popular one. So you're going to have the fullback um, work straight up to the wheel, and uh, the tailback's going to cut off fast. So it's uh, it's a fast hit in play. It um, it happens fast. It's very it's very physical. You know, you're asking the fullback to pop the uh, the linebacker in the hole. You see some great collisions there. Um, Your example from there. Yeah, you're generally going to get a play side double team. They're going to work back to the um, the linebacker opposite the play. Again, the fullback's going to handle that guy. And again, you'll see this. You'll see this a lot towards that weak side B gap run bubble. It's uh, it's a very common play, and that's a very common way to attack um, over under fronts. You know, depending on um, where it's at. You definitely need your uh, your wing here to not block the same guy as your ISO fullback. It's not good to have two on one right there with twenty sitting waiting. Uh, I do think this comes up short, but that's just a good example. Not a hugely popular concept. Old school football, really. Yeah, very, um, very, very old school. Classic old school. It is. <clears throat> We're going to talk what's called duo, which is pretty popular. They call it 14-15 jab. Duo is gap. Think of it as this way. 
It's power without the polar. Okay, you're gonna read. It's a popular concept because it's big on big. Some people call it Bob. Uh, some people call it double. It's just it's a double team at the point of attack because you have guard and tackle guard and center guard. And it's the way I've always seen it is if your offensive linemen are working in the opposite direction as the ball carrier's direction. That's how I've always noticed duo. And when I heard it explained to me as is it's power without the puller, it makes perfect sense to me. Okay, when you run this, sometimes you will run it. It's a great again, very simplistic play. Sometimes you'll run it where you don't block. You don't block the mic at all, and you just read him. You make him commit one direction and cut off of whatever direction he goes. So this, yeah, this is something that was popular. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, that's the key part of the play. It's uh, it's reading the mic. If he, so, go ahead. No, no, no. That's, that's, that's spot on. You're going to commit him to a direction. Sometimes you'll see teams peel off. You know, you'll be able to have an extra man to peel off for the mic. But for the most part, your eyes as the running back are, are on him. Okay, and the Brown. I have some Browns examples of this, but Tampa Bay ran it a ton last year. You're reading that man, whoever the mic is. You get a mic identifier at the line of scrimmage. You can cut off of him whatever direction he presents to you or route to go. You can be bounced again. Make corners tackle in space. So, and if he's down, if he's downhill, that's a uh, then you're going to bounce it outside. If he gets mm -hmm. outside for whatever reason, then you're just going to pop it through the a gap there. Um, also, uh, New Orleans runs a ton of duo as well. There are a couple of teams that really, that really run this play, and I think for uh, for a lot of years, people um, people thought it was inside zone until you know smarter people than I you know kind of took to the uh, the airwaves and, and explained the differences and uh, and what it actually is. Here's an example from 2018 preseason. Nick Chubb number 31, believe it or not, back then uh, before he switched numbers before week one, cut off the path here. Back when the Browns were earning the stripes on their helmets, thank God that is gone. Watch Nick patiently make the mic commit before he has him look at him looking in the hole for him, and he's not there. <laughs> That's a pretty great read, pretty great cut. We should have known he was going to be pretty good at this point, right? So, um, textbook running back. Here's another example. The Browns do a nice job, and a man at the point of attack here. Tackles again, comes off right tackle number seventy-four comes off him for the mic. Nick notices the issue with the overhang. This is a pretty ridiculous cut. Yeah, that jump cut, that second one. Whew. That's pretty stupid. Break the tackle. I think that's Tack McKinley actually who's tackling broke, so hopefully that doesn't happen this year. Another example, this is Carlos Hyde. This is an example of reading the play side. Watch him read him here. Does a nice job setting up those two backers front side. Hubbard does a good job. That's actually, is that 63? Is that Corbett doing a nice job here at right tackle? Staying on. That's what you know. That's what duo is supposed to look like. Create some cut. Create some cutback lanes. Real quick, I think our last play here, our last set of plays is trap. Okay. Trap. Give us a quick rundown of what you know as trap, John. Yeah. So with the uh, trap, you're going to um, you're going to leave one of the interior linemen off the three technique on block. Then you're going to use. Um, another offensive lineman to, to just block him quickly when he flies in the backfield. So trap's a great play when um, you've got, we got a defensive line that tends to uh, penetrate. Like again, the, the Philadelphia Eagles, um, they, I guarantee you, they face a ton of trapping teams every year. Um, so, so what you want to do is um, you're going to release the guy, let him get into the backfield and then you're going to ear hole him from the other side. Um, it's a great way to slow down. Um, a player that's getting to the backfield a little too quickly as well. You know, if he's if he's starting to wreck some havoc there, then just release him and um, 
you know, bring in the guard and slow him down a bit from there. Again, going straight nostalgia here in Austin Corbett and Matthew Day's highlight running trap for a touchdown here. Watch how quickly 66 climbs. 62, I, I don't even know. I think Drango might be 66 at this point. 62 working to the backside. You have two, three techniques here. He's got to get all the way. He's almost got to be flat down the line. So these two, 62 and 63, can't run into each other because he has to be flat to get readings to go. A nice angle created for the right guard. If you're a defensive lineman and you come free, screen or trap, you better get your head where it needs to be because somebody's coming for you, right? Create a quick alley. Greg Robinson, find someone to block, right? you got to send a wide receiver inside to get a safety. Sometimes those defensive backs and man coverage will just run right with you and run into your man. <laughs> it, creates a, it creates a big play. The Eagles are a team that runs a lot of traps, so we put some highlights of this from Fran Duffy, who does a great job breaking it down. He'll show you the concept, who they're pulling for here, pulling for that three-tech, who uh, does a nice job of falling right there. All right? A couple more. Yeah, that's an example of falling well. a guy down. Like you can tell, he was he was just primed to go as soon as the ball was snapped or on movement. Yep. All right, look at those angles created. Those are easy plays, man. And you don't see a ton of – trap anymore i think the browns might implement a little bit more of it this year but you know it's it, it comes and goes it ebbs and flows some teams will run it a lot some teams won't run it at all it's just week to week what you feel like you have advantageously at the point of attack so yeah that's so all. it's a game plan specific type thing if you got to penetrate in three technique you want to slow down then you're going to throw a couple of trap plays in there but yeah it's not it's not a bread and butter play for sure, but it is one that you could see. It ties into gas. We covered it all, John. Covered all the gas schemes we cover. If you guys have any questions, uh, I didn't see any specific questions we missed in the comments. If you have them, throw them to us at the OBR and the Ask the Insider section. Uh, hit us up there. We will be glad to answer them. I will pass anything along to John that I see. I appreciate you for spending time with us, John, man, taking, taking a little bit of time out of your evening uh, to, to, to spill some football knowledge, my friend. Of course. Thanks for having me. Always, man. All right, guys. Thanks, John. We're going to welcome in Brad here in just a second. Appreciate you one more time, John. We'll see you next Thursday. All right, next week. All right, man. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Big thanks to John again. Let's bring in Brad. Brad is going to provide us with some training camp insights as often as he can provide us with training camp insights. This guy's got all the information. I don't know if he's here. He might have us muted right now. We'll see. Nah, he's here. There he is. What's up, Brad? How are you? I'm, uh, I'm all right. How are you? 
I'm good, man. We got to get you a green screen so we can see your mug. Know, you know, know. We're, we're we're sort of stuck with your with your little picture here. Um, so talk to me about things you saw today. What stood out? I know we're all outside looking in. Can't really be at practice, but you gathered some videos you saw that they sent over. Some notes. So so hit me with some some highlights of today. Yeah. So let's stick with uh, injuries first. Rashard Higgins. He rode that left ankle Wednesday. Uh, so he did not practice today. Kevin Savansky said it was a minor injury, uh, so he should be back in a few days. So watch for that. Maybe not tomorrow, but fans will be welcomed in tomorrow. Uh, Troy Ho and Richard LeCount, both were sick, but I'm told it's not COVID-related. So the Browns, you know, caught a break there. It's 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 not COVID-related. Um, so they those guys did today. test? Is that what you said? They test not COVID-related? Uh, yeah, I'm just told right now it's not COVID-related. Good. Yep. Good, good, yep. good. Okay. Um. Tony Fields is another player that he uh, he has been out. He's been out. He's only been to one practice, and I believe there was the practice with the quarterbacks and the rookies about last week when the Browns first reported to camp. Um, there's no update there yet from the team, but it might be a, a site for concern since there is no update. I've reached out to people close to Fields and still have heard nothing back. Uh, so a little concerning there for the Browns' fifth-round draft pick. So Fields is a guy that, in my opinion, if it keeps trending the direction it's going, and I know that, you know, JOK is obviously out too, so you don't want to put the cart in front of the horse, but the injury stuff to both feet is concerning. I wonder, Brad, if they will try to do something similar to what we saw the Dolphins try to do and splash Curtis Weaver onto their IR and hold on to him Absolutely. that way. It, it, I wonder if they try to do that. And with if Fields that's the either. case, I would – yeah, sorry for cutting you off. No, um, no, you're good. If, if that's the case, I know – the Browns really like Tony Fields right after the um, draft meeting they had with him. So I'm, I'm guessing he impressed other teams too. So that's just something to note. And it's a great point by you that the Browns might try to do that. Yeah. It's it, they want to keep him around, but again, it's like, okay, can you stash him without somebody trying to haul him onto their team and you have to pass him through waivers and all that, that uncomfortable stuff. So um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that shakes out. But I, I'm a little concerned. I was to me, Brad, it was like, Tony Fields or Mac Wilson is kind of the number I got down to because it, it, if you're keeping six, uh, I think it got tight with those guys. But it seems like Mac Wilson, if this is the case, might have a might have a means to stay on the roster, right? Yeah, and it's important right now. He's getting the starting reps with uh, you know uh, Taki Taki and Anthony Walker, so uh, it's important he's getting those reps. And you know he's. Uh, the coaches know that he's put in work this offseason, so now he's getting the chance to show it, and we'll see what happens with the camp. Um, you know, under just now, so only a few days in. So, yeah, it's too. It's as this thing gets going. A reminder: people that we post, like you know, people that we post as starters or here, they're not starters. They're just the first group in. Mac has a clear year correct, of correct. understanding of a full clear year of understanding of this offense. Sorry, this defense. He's going to be out there a lot. He's going to be a big part of things. True, but I think, also I to think, say, go ahead, go ahead. Ma Malcolm Smith was also here last year, and he was not a start. So it's just, it, I, maybe I'm looking too much into it, but. No, no, no. I Okay, so if you keep you keep Walker, who's obviously a pretty clear keep, if you keep um, uh, your Sam and Taki Taki, if you keep uh, Malcolm Smith, and then, and then that's your three, JOK is your four, Jacob Phillips is your five. To me, the six was between Fields and Mac Wilson. So if you can stash Mac away, which the question here, some practice guys can be protected. I think it's four. Yes. I think when I, I wrote think it up, they're four carrying guys that over again this year with COVID. I believe they it's are. three. Uh, it's three. And I know the Browns lost a few players last year when they couldn't protect them. Uh, one name was Garrett Wilson or 
Garrett Gilbert, the Cowboys quarterback now. Yeah. Um, I hope they keep Garrett Wilson at the end of this year. They can find a way to get that guy on the roster. But <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I thought yeah, it was yeah. four, but I could be wrong when I wrote up what was Spot Track had a whole uh, a tweet about it. I thought it was four, but it could be three. We'll maybe they maybe that. they bumped um, it up to four, but I, I remember last year was three. Um, it could be. Yeah, could also, be. we can I, get to other players like. Oh, yeah. So they're bad. Uh, Go ahead. You can also get to other players like. Oh, hello? Can you guys hear me? We're here, you, bud. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Odell Beckham Jr., Grant Delpert, Chris Hubbard. They're all. Uh oh. Brad, we can hear you. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Yes, 100%. Okay. Okay, so Baker Mayfield again looks sharp today in day two. Another sign that he's you know developing well. Uh, remember the previous two camps, it took the offense a week or two to get going. It doesn't look like that's the case this year. You have to wonder if Barry will try to get an extension done now that you know he has some reassurance that Baker Mayfield's looking good. Uh, but I reached out to somebody that I've been reaching out to all offseason long, and there is no update on Baker Mayfield's contract extension as of now. Yeah, I. I you, last year it's a lot of word of mouth. There weren't many people even. I don't even know that reporters were allowed to go to 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 camp stuff last year. It was it was completely closed off. So I don't know that Baker got off to a rough start or the, the, the what what kind of confirmation there was. I will say I was there for 2019 every single day of camp, and it was it was rough. I'm sure if you go back and look at some tweets, I had some messages and tweets where I was like, I'm just. I'm just not seeing it right now. And that, that season led to some ugliness because I, I wasn't seeing a lot of the positive signs that I was hoping to see. And I even remember saying something to Doug Lamarie, like, this is not good, man. They, they look really rough. And uh, it, it kind of led to what the outcome was. Now, I'm, I'm really – it's really – and I think that's what Jake Trotter, who, who had mentioned this in his write-up today for ESPN, had mentioned that, that Baker looks far better than the last time he saw him. Jake was brand new at that time and was there with I was with him most of the time and we had conversations about how it just didn't look very pretty so I'm sure a lot of what Jake is basing it on is that so those are positive signs you know there are positive signs I think if there's a real chance that if Baker starts the year out playing really really well that he'll have a chance to have opportunities to have a conversation about an extension I'm not sure training camp preseason will will do that I I, I mean you know I guess if they see Right, Brad. If they see crazy levels of like, okay, we got to we got to lock him in now based on training camp. I, I don't know. Maybe that's an interesting for, you know way to go. I, I just I I think they need to see more. And if it could get to a mid season thing where right. they like what he's doing this season, there could definitely be some conversations. But based on the fact you're not hearing anything when you talk to those folks, there's no connection. Tells me we're probably going to see something later on. But the the, the you all you want to hear is you come on the show, Brad, and tell us that what you're hearing is the Baker's practicing really well. And hopefully we can get there at some point. That'd be great. I'd love it if there are any fans who could hook us up with a ticket or something. We, we're only going to send Fred Greetham to this thing live because he's our beat guy, but we want to get a couple more sets of eyeballs on this thing. Uh, let us know. Hook us up out there. If somebody's not going and you have tickets, one of the lucky folks, let us know. We're going to try to go and get you some perspectives. Anything else, Brad, that you want to share about today's uh, session? Might have some audio issues with Brad. All right. All right, we lost Brad. Okay, that's okay. Um, we're going to go ahead and remove him. We'll see if we can get him another time. Uh, we're going to be joined here momentarily by um, 
Mr. Brown's mock himself, who you see on this all the time. I'm going to have a couple conversation topic points with him. Brad seems to have had some sort of internet issue. Don't know what happened. It's okay. Some good insights about training camp. We usually try to write those things up. Brad says his Wi-Fi is currently poop right now. It happens. He just got kicked. We're relying on internet. We're going to upgrade everybody at the OBR. We're going to upgrade their internet as quickly as possible. We're going to get these folks off Spectrum onto something better. Steve has that left coast internet. We're going to welcome him in. His internet is dialed in all the time, pristine, solar-powered, vegan internet <laughs> on the West Coast. What's up, man? Uh, yeah, it's good to be here. I mean, you know, Brad uh, said his internet is poop, which is a pretty big word for a 12-year-old. I hope it doesn't get it his allowance cut. Um, it is. But, it is. Uh, yeah, I was ready. Uh, I can come in and do, uh, you know, five extra minutes of my uh, particular brand of football and armpit farts combination that I do. Uh, so wanted to jump in. I love that. Uh, the, 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 uh, breakdowns that you do with John, uh, it's just, and I know, I know that you, you want new film. You don't want to break down. Well, I know that that like gets under your skin as a film guy. Mm -hmm. I know it just rankles you, but for somebody like me that, you know, obviously doesn't break it down as much as you do as much, you know, as deeply as you do, even the old film for me, I got the, to learn stuff, you know, because um, you were talking about the cutback lanes and creating angles uh, in the gap scheme and everything. And that's why it got me to thinking about that question, because um, you and I have talked over the last three years that one of you know, the many, many great talents that Nick Chubb has that put him puts him at or near the top of the league is that cutback vision. That backside vision is just I think it's the best in the league. He's nobody sees that hole back that way and gets there in two steps like Nick does. So that was something new that I learned uh, there tonight. I love watching you guys do that stuff. Yeah, it's it's about two months ago. I get tired of watching the old film. It gets really boring after a while. Right. Just same old stuff all the time. Uh, you're ready for – and I know most people are are. You know, I think we've had over 100 viewers a couple times this week, and you guys want to talk about next year. I know we're going to get to next year. We get – what is it? Tomorrow will be the 30th. We're two <laughs> weeks away from some fresh football, we can pull some TV angle clips of the uh, preseason and have conversations about how players played, so on and so forth. I promise we're going to have the Baker film sessions. Those will be Tuesday and this Thursday session. We'll do a half session on some sort of topic or angle at which they, they, you know, they ran duo really well. What we just talked about, we're going to show three or four clips of that and go through why it went well, something like that. We'll pick a fun topic out from the game the week before and then we'll look ahead at the opponent that they have coming into. John's really good. I think it's good to get his insight. So I know that uh, looking back, especially on July 29th, isn't the most fun thing to do. But there are some things that hopefully you see the Browns play. You can say, oh, I recognize now that is called power. I know that concept. I watched it on film. That's the goal. I hope it worked out. Let's talk about well, some new stuff. Real, though. Just oh, real yeah, quick, yeah. I'm a little bit John disappointed in you uh, that you and John didn't spend 40 minutes breaking down seven-on-seven seven throws. Uh, from Baker today <laughs> and yesterday because we can learn so much from watching those guys throw run seven on seven in the first two days of camp. I'm, I'm a little let down. It decides everything. It decides everything. It's <laughs> it's going to be the you know especially when the Browns put out a clip of Ronnie Harrison almost picking off Baker and everybody wants to have a panic attack and season's over. Uh, the season is over. Speaking of Ronnie Harrison, interesting quote there from uh, John Johnson uh, about Ronnie Harrison being. Uh, a guy that he's, I don't know, sort of blown away by. I think Ron right. Harrison gets lost in the shuffle about guys they might try to sign back. Uh, I guess, I guess this, we'll go, we'll go down this road first. 
we have all these conversations, Steve, about you know people we think are going to have these gigantic roles. JOK, Jacob Phillips is going to have a breakout season. Grant Delpit's going to break out. Well, I think we forget too that these guys can't all be on the field at the same time, and I think that element gets lost. Or I had this conversation with myself really on the podcast last night where I went down the road of, uh, you know, like this this idea. We we all want to say, you know. Donovan Peoples Jones is going to break out. He's going to have a great year. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to be a huge part of this thing. Well, if he's a huge part of this thing, that means something else went wrong. So that means they're playing a ton of 11 personnel and maybe Richard Higgins is no longer this part of the offense, right? So if you're saying Donovan Peoples Jones is going to have this breakout season, um, that means that somebody else is taking a step back. And I don't think that gets discussed a lot when we predict breakouts because to me, like, Donovan Peoples-Jones breakout season is having maybe about 10 more targets and 400 yards. That's a great year. I thought he, hell, I thought he had a breakout year last year for a six round pick mm-hmm. to have 14 catches for 300 yards and two touchdowns. That's a great first year. So like he's already cracked the coach. So to come back next year and have a similar year to that, maybe get a couple more targets. If they uptick their 11 personnel, you know, have a few more targets, like, that's a thing that's interesting to me. That's if he has a 300 yard season again this year, I don't think it's a bad thing, Steve. I don't think that's a step in the wrong direction. Like I tweeted out the other day, maybe it's yesterday. I don't know. I lose track of time. Like if he repeats what he did last year and, and, and has a couple more, maybe a couple more targets because they increased their 11 personnel usage. That's a that's a great thing, right? Like that's a winning season, and then he can be ready for next year when he could possibly have a real role a real role because somebody maybe is budgeted out of that wide receiver room. He should be able to, he should be looking to diversify his route tree, run some more digs, create more separation because he proved to me that the NFL level, he can beat people deep. He needs to show me he can create separation on slants, digs, outs, comebacks, those sorts of things. Right. Yeah. And I think it, it all comes down to how you define breakout season. Are you just going sure. to go by the numbers or are you going to go with what I consider to be the more important aspect uh, for a second-year player especially, is the jump in his game. Um, mm-hmm. Because like you said, <clears throat> if he's getting, let's, you know, let's say he has, you know, a numbers, a box score breakout season, which would be 50, you know, or 60 catches or something like that, you know, six, seven or 800 yards, something like that. Well, that means that the two guys in front of him that we have all assumed all along uh, in Odell and uh, Jarvis, one of them either got hurt or just yep. had a bad year or whatever, because if those two guys are doing what we all expect them to do, there's just not going to be the volume of targets for that three, four, five wide receiver guy. We know what Schwartz is going to get this year. We know what it's going to be, you know, some people say gadget plays. I don't really like that term, but he's going to have a specific package of plays because he's a rookie that runs a a legit four, two, they're going to have specific plays for him, but how DPJ Hodge and Higgins shake out in that three, four, five, will determine the futures of a lot of people on this team. And so for DPJ, for me, like I said, I think a breakout year for him, I think the numbers from a numbers perspective is probably, you know, roughly what you said, maybe, you know, anywhere from five to 15 more targets, you know, eight, 10 more catches, a couple hundred more yards, maybe just, you know, one or two more touchdowns. But if he shows that he has improved all the little things, you know, last year he won a lot of the things that he won were just because he's, he's an athletic freak, you know, and you can still win some in the NFL with that. But if you're going to win consistently against uh, NFL caliber cornerbacks, especially as you said, looking forward to next year when one or possibly both of those top two guys aren't here anymore, 
then he has to get the little things right. So I think that's what we need to be uh, looking for from DPJ. If you're looking for a breakout season, you're looking for uh, is his footwork improved? Are his releases more varied and more consistent? Is he, like you said, is he creating more separation on the shorter routes? We know he can, you know, if he gets a step, he's big and fast enough to beat just about anybody down the field. And then if the, if there's contested, he's, you know, nine feet, 11 inches tall. So, you know, we know he can out jump people for that kind of stuff, but yeah, it's the other things. It's the, it's the Tuesday through Saturday part of being an NFL wide receiver. Does he make the year two jump that we all think he's capable of making and judging from the words and phrases that the coaching staff have used and have not used when talking about him, they also apparently believe that he has the capability of making, if he does that, even if the, the sheer box score numbers don't jump off the page at you, I would still consider that a breakout year. Now, if Jarvis gets hurt and he steps into the number two spot and does have that 60 catch 780 yard season or whatever like that, then yeah, that's a great breakout year, especially if they're winning mm -hmm. games and going to the playoffs and everything like that. But we are hoping as fans that that, you don't want to say a great year like that. You don't want it to happen, but the only way a great year like that would happen for number 11 is if somebody in front of him in the depth chart got hurt. So we're hoping that it doesn't come to that. So yeah, it all comes down to how you define breakout year. And for him, I think, it, like I said, it falls on the process rather than the, the actual just box score numbers. It's it's true he could, too, also just beat out. They could say, when we need a guy to step up on the outside, we could just use Kadero Hodge or Rashard Higgins, but he could beat those guys out. He mm -hmm. could come in and blow them away and make a ton of plays, and he could beat them out. But I just don't want to set this – I just don't want people to forget the idea that they all can't have theirs, especially Anthony Schwartz is right. not added to the room. Something's going to fall off somewhere, you know, because Richard Higgins had 600 yards. He had a real season. You know, uh, all 11 catches from Kadero Hodge went for first downs. I think he's a player. So yes. if Donovan Peoples-Jones can beat them out, that's a great thing. That's cool. Yes. But I just don't want people to think if he doesn't top 300 yards, that doesn't mean he took a step backwards. Like, he could still have a really productive growth season leading into a possibility possibility for a bigger role, even if he doesn't go crazy. So that's right. like the thing. And the same thing with the other side where, you know, we all expect great things out of JOK and Ronnie Harrison and Grant Delpit, but one of those guys isn't going to be on the field every single snap. Like they're going to have to plug people in different spots. And, and we're going to talk about the green dot decision that I guess has been made that says Anthony Walker is going to be on the field a ton. Well, okay, then that kind of eliminates the idea that he comes off the field. So that means that he's going to play a considerable amount more linebacker snaps for now. Again, for now. Um, that means Jacob Phillips, is he going to rotate in? Are they going to play dime with, with one linebacker? Are they going to play it with two? If they're two, how's JOK fit into that? So there's a lot of questions there. And like, my point is, okay, I, I'm really excited about Grant Delpit. I think he's going to be a stud. Well, just be prepared for Grant Delpit to play like 350 snaps. Maybe that's the number. If Ronnie Harrison has come in and he's impressed J -O -K, or, uh, J John Johnson as much as he has, John Johnson has clearly been in some really great wide receiver, sorry, defensive back rooms, then that means something to me. So, like, I just want to make sure people understand that, that especially defensively, if they play a 4-2-5, and then, and then sometimes play nickel, you know, they're not going to have a bunch of guys like, okay, if you play two backers, say that you play Phillips and you play uh, Walker a lot, then that leaves the slot, okay? That could be Troy Hill, who we all think is going to play a really big role. Could be Grant Delpit, or it could be Ronnie Harrison, or it could be JOK. 
Greg you Newsom. get the point. I'm I'm and Greg Newsom. I'm rambling about names. Like there's a lot of people that can play that role. But then again, I, my point is, you pull another linebacker off the field and add a, a fourth defensive back, then then you're even saying, okay, now maybe JOK, maybe whoever else isn't on the field, Jacob Phillips isn't on the field, and it's just it's a snap shortage. So don't don't look at box scores. Look at the role that the defense is asking those guys to play and judge how well they're playing in that role. They can also pull a defensive lineman off the field. I didn't mention that, but that's going to be pretty much dependent on down and distance and pass situations. So I guess it's like, okay, they, they have more than 22 good players. So it's a reminder that just because a guy doesn't beat out somebody else doesn't mean if Grant Delpit only plays 17 snaps in the first three games, that doesn't mean he's not coming along or he's not go- he's not fine. They're just finding a role for these guys to fit them in. You know, there are certain players that are never going to leave the field unless they get injured. John Johnson's never going to leave the field. You know, whoever wins cornerback two is probably not going to leave the field that much. We know Denzel's not going to leave the field that much. We know Jadevian Clowney. We know now Walker. We know now Miles. Like, those guys are going to be on the field a lot, but there's only a certain volume of snaps for everybody else to fit into that jigsaw puzzle. So, you know, with, with breakout guys, just be careful – being let down if the guy you think is going to break out or have this huge role doesn't have it. That doesn't mean they don't have a future in Cleveland or that they're not doing the job that they were asked to do. So I kind of wanted to dance carefully around that because I think we forget sometimes that if a guy has a huge breakout and say, say Ronnie Harrison has this gigantic season, right? He plays a ton. He has this gigantic season, which could happen. They're probably not going to play a third safety all the time. Like it's just not going to be a thing. So unless injuries happen, which every season's full of them, I get it. It's just like you got to think, okay, if I'm thinking this, what's the ramifications? Who's going to fall back a little bit? That's a thing that I always kind of want to remind people of. So Yeah, and I um, think it's yeah. – it's, it, this is uh, – we've been saying this all off season since the draft. It's a nice problem to have because this sure. is the quality depth that we have all been bitching and moaning that the Browns haven't had since the return, except in very tiny bursts. They simply haven't had this. So – you know, because it got like you said, because a guy doesn't beat out John Johnson for a whole bunch of snaps. I mean, John Johnson's one of, if not the best safety in the entire league, you know. So just because he's behind him doesn't mean he's terrible or, or whatever. It means they have really, really good depth for the first time. And as far as the defensive back rotation and the linebacker snaps that you were talking about and whether they bring in a fifth corner, fourth corner, fourth safety, whatever like that, I keep going back to that guy that we were. Yeah. Just dancing that we somehow snagged at 52 in a just dirt cheap trade up because, I mean, he's on the COVID list right now, which doesn't help any rookie. But from the way the coaches were raving about his football intellect and we all know his ver- physical versatility and his skill set and everything like that. If JOK comes in and for the next four weeks, three weeks, whenever he gets back on the field for the month of August, he shows from the, just from the coverage side, I'm not talking about the run fits or anything, just from a coverage ability, what they think he can do, that might answer a few of those questions that, that you just posed, which are very mm-hmm. legitimate questions. But if they think, well, crap, this is a guy, we, another guy we can leave on the field, all three downs, they're going to leave Walker out there because if he's going to have the green dot, he's going to be out there almost all the time, if not all the time. So that's two. That's the second level of your defense that is taken care of right there. You don't have to think about it yeah. anymore. And everybody else is a sub-package linebacker. So I think he's going to be – we all knew he would be a fascinating watch in August. I think the way it's shaping up makes it even more fascinating. And to go back on uh, what you said to start this 
this segment, John Johnson raving about uh, Ronnie Harrison. We all knew Ronnie Harrison had the ability. His thing has over the years has been consistency and getting dinged up. You know, we if he can if this is the year that he's on the field for let's say at least 15, 16, 17 of the games, uh, he avoids those uh, the dings and nicks like he's had over the course of his career, and he plays to the level that we know he can, and he showed in flashes last year once he got the hang of the defense and gotten the flow and everything like that, then it's yet another, like you said, very interesting and tough contract decision that they're going to have to make uh, at some point this coming off season. So um, again, these are, these are rich people problems. These are, these are nice problems to have. These are problems that the teams that pick 25 and below in the first round uh, have on a regular basis. And it's new for us here. So it's, it takes some getting used to. It does, and let's talk a little bit about the green dot decision that came out today that we were we were not at all expecting, which was uh, John Johnson in his interview today with media has said that he will not. I mean, the big conversation point was B.J. Goodson left, so that opens up the role to call plays, right? And and we know that John Johnson was given that opportunity to do so in L.A. last year. Talked about it, enjoyed it, but. It, and, and shout out to John Colosimo for turning me on to this fact that uh, back way back in June, Joe Woods went on Cleveland Browns Daily and had mentioned it would be an extremely rare circumstance where he would have a defensive back calling plays through the headset. Uh, he would be the radio communication guy. If you don't know, the green dot on the helmet indicates you have a radio that connects you to a coach headset, gives you the play, you call the play for the defense. What Joe Woods likes to do as he likes to have a linebacker call the play and have a guy in the secondary that is the communicator constant. Now, last year, similar to this year, Walker, who they brought in, Anthony Walker from the Colts, was predominantly an early down linebacker. He creeped up over 800 snaps. He played some third downs, but not all of them, especially not heavy pass situations. Uh, he he is pretty similar to what they brought in the year before with B.J. Goodson, who was not a guy. B.J. Goodson had been a, a one-and-two-down linebacker. They brought in B.J. Goodson, green dot helmet. He played 16 of 18 games, and he played pretty well. I'm still surprised he hasn't found a team. I don't think he's found a team, which is alarming to me because I thought he played I thought he played pretty well given the opportunity to play a lot last year, at least serviceable compared to some others in the league. He far outperformed Joe Schobert in the role that he was in. So, um they're going to – we thought that they would give it to John Johnson, and again, the Rams gave it to him because the Rams were suffering from a linebacker, uh, an issue at linebacker. They could play him down in the box, and they used him in a variety of ways. He was a linebacker for them sometimes. Uh, it, it just kind of worked out that way. Brandon Staley, now the Chargers coach, talked about why they did that. I missed the interview where Joe Wood said that it would take an extremely rare circumstance for him to give a DB that opportunity. They could have done it last year. Although Andrew Sandejo was not a physically – quality performer from the perspective of this guy can can mentally handle it he's no doubt in his track record in the nfl he's been a, a really sharp guy on the football field he just couldn't handle it okay he couldn't handle it from a uh he they, at least they thought joe woods thought that he couldn't handle it he didn't give him that even though he played more snaps than bj goodson he didn't i think last year he had 993 or something like that, and, and, and Terrence Mitchell had 1,225. Terrence Mitchell didn't miss a single snap defensively, which is pretty crazy to think about. Um, he didn't give it to a DB last year when he could have because B.J. Goodson comes into this year even less proven than Anthony Walker is a linebacker that can play three downs, in my opinion. So 
a little bit of a, a surprise. I should have saw it coming if I listened to that interview, but Johnson today pretty much confirmed that Anthony Walker will handle the play call. He's been impressed with him. And this dates back to Anthony Walker's time in the Colts where, you know, Frank Reich, Darius Leonard, everybody, so Okariki, everybody in that in that place had nothing but the highest respect for that man about his ability to prepare, his ability in the film room, his ability to be on the field leader. Greg Newsom has already talked about it. Now there's an obvious connection with Greg Newsom being a Northwestern guy, same as Anthony Walker. Those two have already hit it off and connected. Um, but but I think I'm okay with this. I, I don't really care all too much. Just make the decision and go with it. I get a little worried about keeping Walker on the field all three downs, but if they if they don't like it and Jacob Phillips maybe eventually beats him out for that role or proves to be a guy they want on the field all three downs, they can make a change. You're not stuck with one green dot guy the whole year. You can make the tweak. But I, I think we probably uh, – I, I missed this. We should have seen it coming that they weren't going to have John Johnson do it because they signed a guy who they thought could handle it and, and, and all of that. So uh, I guess this is not – it's newsworthy, but it's not at all too crazy, Steve. Yeah, and I think that's the key. It's July 29th. They could always change their mind uh, to, because they're going to be figuring out, like we've said before, um, the rotations and the snap counts and what packages work and which don't and all that kind of stuff. So like you said, it could change at any time. But I, I keep going back to – and I understand he's had inconsistencies and limits in his game, specifically in the past coverage game. I totally understand that. I get it. Uh, but I go back to what you mentioned. When Andrew Barry signed – Anthony Walker, the reaction of his Colts teammates and coaches like that, like you said, and it was unanimous. It wasn't just a guy here and one position coach or anything like that. It was all of them. When a guy like Darius Leonard, arguably the best linebacker in the league, I mean, he's definitely in the top five. He's up there in the, in mm -hmm. the conversation uh, at minimum. When he says, and I'm paraphrasing, I owe 80%, 90% of who I am in this league to playing next to Walk. That tells me something. I'm not in that locker room, but when a guy like Darius Leonard, who's not prone to hyperbole or anything like that, goes, is that effusive in his praise of the mental part of Anthony Walker's game? I, to me, that, that says volumes and really says all I need to know. And it goes back to what you said before, like Andrew, Sande Andrew Sandejo, as badly as he got beat up uh, by the fan base last year, and in, in some ways, you know, deservedly so, but he was being asked to do a whole bunch of things that he just wasn't brought here to do, but we won't get into that. Mentally, he knows where everybody's supposed to be, and that's kind of as important for the green dot guy as anything else. I mean, he gets it. He understands the where everybody, and the, he understands the why, and that's why guys like him get the green dot. He's, he's an extremely smart guy from all reports. Uh, like you said, a tremendous locker room guy. Um, uh, and, and he's not like he's a, you know, old school, big, big 10 linebacker from the seventies with a neck roll. You know, he's not some lumbering dude. He ran a four, six, five forty at the combine. His three cone was just over seven, which is not too shabby for a linebacker. He's only 25 years old. So maybe they saw, um, you know, much like we said last year with with um, some of the existing Browns offensive pieces, they would fit better in Kevin Stefanski's scheme and, and work together better. And it turned out to be the case. Maybe they see the, the same thing uh, with walk. You know, maybe the Colts defense, the scheme that they ran just wasn't quite the right fit for him. And they think that his athleticism in this. We think it's going to be fairly free-flowing, uh, you know, defense. Maybe he'll blossom because, like I said, he's only 25 years old. So I, I, I don't know. I, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, 
in the last 18 months, the coaching staff and the front office have not made too many decisions that have turned out to be, you know, bad. So I think they've, they've earned our trust on something like this. Um, I wonder, and I wanted to see what you thought, it, does placing this kind of trust in him, and I know they did it for a one-year guy last year with B.J. Goodson, but I think they were at different points in their career and brought in for different reasons. Do you think placing this kind of trust in him means that they see him as potentially being here longer than the one-year deal that he's currently on? Maybe, maybe. I think I think you could, in our conversations today, I think they just like to have their mic do it, unless the guy they have pegged to play Mike is just not able to handle it at all. I think that they like to do that. Now, I think there's there's going to be every opportunity for a guy like Walker, who you mentioned obviously has has a what he does on the field is just the beginning of who he is as a football player. If he is okay to to handle the roles of what a Mike does and he can handle them at a, at least an average level. I don't think if he performs as well as BJ Goodson did last year, that they will be letting him walk because what he does beyond the football field again is so important and it's, it's going to prove itself. So unless he has, in my opinion, unless he has just a terrible season where he just is clearly a step behind and again, I would be surprised by this. I don't think you should expect Walker to be a Pro Bowl level player, but I think expecting him to perform as well as as um, you know, expecting him to perform as well as what BJ Goodson did or a little better is a is a realistic outcome here. He should be a part of the future to an extent, maybe an extension like they did with Malcolm Smith another year, something like that. So I don't know that it says guarantee, but I don't think it hurts. I don't think it hurts. I would have been a little less if it was the flip side of it, Steve. And, and, and it's uh, they gave it to John Johnson, and we had this conversation about oh, they didn't give it to the Mike this year. You would probably have it the other way around. We say eh, maybe this means they don't like maybe they don't like Anthony Walker right. as much as we were hoping they would. Um, yeah, so that's I, I don't know that it gives away anything, but I think it says, hey man, for a guy that just showed up, we've already made this decision. We believe in you, we trust you, we like you, everything we know about you, we think you can handle this role. Partly because, in my opinion, this allows John Johnson to really focus on getting the secondary set, getting everybody in the right positions there, handling all of that. Yes, it is Steven's voice that has everybody distracted from the comments. I forgot the NBA draft was on tonight. That I blanked on that. That might be what some folks are in transmitting. The Cavs draft this with Evan Mobley. I don't know. I don't know much about. I don't know much about him. I don't. I don't pay all too much attention to the NBA. That's uh, that could be where some attention span is. Or we're just. I'm just extremely boring. Is another realm of uh, possible outcomes here uh, on this thing. But. You know, uh, to, well, to your point, with I think your family offered. for a few days, and that's unfortunate. And it probably turned it a rubs lot of people off. off. Yeah, it rubs off on you. That's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. I wasn't here, and they're they're revolting against me uh, because I wasn't I wasn't involved uh, the first first few days. Listen, this was great. I I mean, any other? I'll ask you this before we go, Steve. Any other things from camp stuck out to you? I love hearing Baker's playing well. You, these are the things you want to hear at the start of camp, um, especially. Again, it doesn't have to be Baker was 9 of 11 for 44 yards or anything stupid like that. I'm, it's just good to hear that people think to seem he's seem to think he's playing crisp. He's being accurate. He's delivering the football on time. That's the stuff that you want to hear, right? Yeah, I mean, they come they, they came in ready if you want to boil it down to to one sentence and that's not normal. I mean, 
for you know 20 years before baker came in and even during the freddie year uh, you know you came in and this first week of camp the arguments on uh, uh talk radio and social media and everything were give them time they're just learning you know it was always a slow start um you know I, does it matter like we, we made jokes at the when i first came on does it matter how many completions and incompletions he had today or are you know if he was 10 out of 12 or 11 out of 12 on july 29th against in shorts and hummus no it really doesn't matter but if you have the choice between not only baker but all of them the entire offense coming in and looking freaking crisp or slogging through the first week trying to get stuff installed of course you would rather see this it means one they did the work in the off season it means two they realize that playing in february starts in july and you don't just turn it on in december and and for the stretch run and all that kind of they get it the locker room culture last year that they built has carried over that's a great thing doesn't always translate into wins but it's much better than the alternative so the fact that they're in the second year in this offense certainly obviously helps and they're taking it to the next level this early in camp where they're getting their timing down so that by the time they start playing these preseason games and then by the time that of course the regular season uh starts you're not talking about starting the playbook you're talking about really tweaking some advanced stuff and that the difference between winning a game or losing a game in the first three weeks of the season which later on as we all know that one win is the difference between a home playoff game two home playoff games you know getting into the playoffs or not getting into the playoffs we all know that so the fact that they realize it's not just game day you got to show up like i said earlier when we were talking about dpj it's the tuesday through saturday stuff that shows up on sunday and they obviously all understand that especially baker definitely a great mm -hmm. thing to see definitely it's everything you want to hear they hit the ground running it's his first time showing up in a camp with the same coach he had the year before and the same offense he ran the year before there's huge opportunity for baker to bust out this year break out he's betting on himself He's going to probably wait till the end of the year unless the Browns wow him in contract negotiations. Uh, part of me just, you know, the way he showed up in shape, the way he's matured from a perspective of, of every conversation point that he's had, uh, I, I would be not surprised, but I would be pretty like, I don't know if there's a, a, a level between uh, under surprised. I, I don't know. Just it would be unexpected for him to not have a good year, I guess is the way to put it. I just, he's too talented. The offense makes too much sense for him, and uh, I just think that everybody should be very patient with the contract stuff. I think it'll work itself out after 2021, and I think if he uh, if he blows up the way we think he'll blow up, it'll it'll all work out in due time. The guys who I think are early contract guys, I think Nick's an early contract guy. I think Wyatt Teller could be an early contract guy. I think Denzel wants to put a really healthy year in front of him and have a 21 going into 22 conversation there. So I'm interested in Nick. I'm interested in Wyatt, but. Don't stress yourself out about contract extensions. They'll work themselves out. I'm sure the Browns have 50 scenarios played out in all these guys, who's good, who's bad, all of it. Don't stress. Enjoy the football season that is finally here and in front of us. Again, if you're lucky enough to go tomorrow, please make sure you go. Support this team. 2,000 people strong. Make the fan, make the, the players feel you know the excitement of the entire fan base. It should, be, uh, it should be a ton of fun for you guys that can get in there and go to that. It's a long time coming. Just be smart in doing so. I don't think they're going to let anybody near the players, but that's okay. You can still have a fun time and 
and uh, and see this team and support them, and, and that's great. It's nice to see people get back in there. Steve, this was, as usual, man, it was a blast. Only half yeah. hour, but I'm glad you didn't hour. have to spend any more time with your family, and you could finally come here and <laughs> uh, and be with us on uh, on the new platform. It's been going fantastic. the uh, The numbers have been great. The chat has been fantastic. The fans, of course, the OBR community just shows up in droves, and uh, and and we just can't thank you guys enough for that because it looks like, knock on wood, we have reached all of the benchmarks that we are supposed to reach. To get that affiliate status, I've seen some questions in the chat. Well, why can't I uh, subscribe yet? When can I subscribe? Well, we had a few housekeeping things to take care of. We had to reach a certain number of hours, a certain number of viewers. There's just things you have to hit before Twitch will let you open up and be a subscriber channel. And I think tonight we hit the, the last one. So I don't know how long it takes. Could be tomorrow. Could be after the weekend. Not a clue. But very, very soon... Uh, you guys will be able to subscribe and we've got some fun stuff planned for that as well. We have a drive. Uh, there's ways if you have Amazon Prime that you can uh, you can get a subscription for free. And we are trying to work something out, partnering some of our subscriber money with the Cleveland Clinic Pediatric uh, Hospital. Uh, don't have all the details on that yet, but we're hoping for that to come up when the subscriber drive starts here pretty soon. So uh, glad you're back now. Glad you're, uh, you know, uh, learning the new platform and everything. Because, you know, as everybody knows in the OBR, you're a huge part of what we do here. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. We'll, we'll have a, a, this is just the start. We'll have so many fun things as we get into the season. Can't wait to do it. You know, again, I think it's a slow night. We got a lot of things going on in the, in the world. There's a lot of baseball news, a lot of NBA draft stuff going on. It'll, it'll get even crazier in the coming weeks, especially when we hit August 14th and we get some fresh content, fresh game. We can all see witness view. We're pumped about it. We're going in a great direction. You guys who are loyalists. Uh, we appreciate you very much. We're pretty excited about where this is going to go. I think we won't be back until Monday. Is that correct, Steve? Unless something crazy happens, like they sign Baker to an extension tomorrow. Something right. crazy. Yeah, the like next that. scheduled yeah. stream, the next scheduled show is Monday night. But obviously, you know, as we always have, if something important happens, something big breaks, uh, we will jump on here and do an emergency stream for sure. Absolutely. For sure. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us tonight. Again, if you are not, uh, actually following along to the page, make sure you do so. Um, sub badges, like Andy said in the comments, those Baker Mayfield sub badges, they'll all be coming soon. We're going to have a ton cool of interactive yeah. interactive fun is coming. So make sure you're following along with the page if you're not following along already. I think we're over 650 uh, people that have checked out and joined the page. or uh, you know All that fun stuff is coming. Just make sure you're following along. And if you're listening to this in any other form of audio, we appreciate you for checking us out. Check us out. Join us on Twitch. We appreciate you as usual. Until next time, go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.